0: Welcome into Socks in the Basement. My name is Chris. His name is Ed. We're good friends, and we sit at a 9-foot homemade oak bar in my basement on the south side of Chicago, and we talk all White Socks. Four fans, by fans, 30 minutes of Socks, and I am ready to go on this weekend episode. Ed, how are you?
1: I am fantastic, Chris. Happy Nick Williams Day. Who is Nick Williams that we're celebrating his day? Nick Williams is the guy I think the White Sox just signed to be their DH. For the
0: 2021 season i've never heard of nick williams what are you talking about he
1: is a minor league signing he was the <laughs> phillies right fielder before they signed bryce harper and uh yeah he fell out of favor in philly and now he is uh scheduled to show up at spring training for the white sox and i think that that is their big dh move
0: yeah it's the it's the magic of rick hahn obviously making people think he was interested in a guy like bryce harper when all he wanted with Nick Williams the shake loose and pick him up a couple years later? Is that what you're telling me?
1: Hey, he's got a career 288 average and an 821 OPS in 625 minor league games. And wasn't awful right. in 2017 for the Phillies. Right,
0: knock it off. You're ruining the credibility of this show. All right, a couple things before we jump into stuff going on today. It's official. If you want to hear more about the two big guys on the list, James Fox on our most recent episode, go check that out after you listen to this one. Yoki Cespedes and Norgay Vera are both going to be officially signed now. They're a part of the team. Uh, two, A little over $2 million for Yoki and $1.5 million for Vera. That's pretty much what Fox said. I think he nailed that one. And then there's a couple of other players that also sign on. I count one, two, three, four more notable guys that they grabbed in the in the international section, but none of them signed for big money. And so until they do something, I'm not going to get excited about them. No. Uh, also, Liam Hendricks is finally official, but that's just a technicality. They had to make sure that he, he went out and did his physical and proved that he could speak in his... Australian accent, and he was the true Liam Hendricks. He did that, and now he is going to be pitching for the White Sox, which makes them absolutely amazing. The White Sox avoid arbitration with Reynaldo Lopez and Lucas Giolito, so they will have no arbitration hearings, but they do not get the long-term deal that we know they were trying to get, also based upon the stuff we got from James Fox on the last episode. So Sox tried, supposedly, to get a long-term deal. They're not going to admit that to you and then they turned around and all they were able to do is at least avoid arbitration. So they will avoid the entire arbitration mess. They know what their team is at this point. They know the money they're spending up to this moment. Whatever they do at this point forward, Rick Hahn is trying to tell people his team is on the court. He used that line from Hoosiers during his press conference. Our team is on the floor. Our team is on the floor, and that's cute and all, but that's just gamesmanship. He doesn't want any agents thinking that no. the Sox have to go get a bat and have to go get another pitcher, but they're going to do it. I'm convinced of it now.
1: Well, you know, and, and one of the things I guess that could be an upshot of them not doing the long-term contract with Giolito is the number that they settle on to avoid arbitration is probably lower than what they were going to give him on an annual basis in a longer-term deal. So the team is on the floor, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they can't get the kid that was shooting hoops in his backyard to come by and actually play for the team again.
0: Right. Yeah. And there's a
1: few guys sitting there shooting hoops in their backyard right now. That's all I'm saying.
0: That's exactly right. If you've never seen Hoosiers, you have no idea what Ed is talking about. Uh, Giolito, a little over $4 million. Lopez is going to make $2.1 million, and he's been nothing but bad for a couple of years. I wish I could get that kind of work. Hopefully, they'll be able to do something with him. Either flip him now with that price tag and move him in a trade, or Katz has a plan to fix him. Otherwise, he is not going to last long on the major league roster if he makes it at all. Now, the thing I wanted to get into first, though, this week is there are a lot of very upset White Sox fans and they're mad at MLB Network. I cannot officially announce the guest, but I believe on our very next show on Wednesday, we have somebody from the MLB Network joining us. But since it has to go through this huge approval process over there at the network, we're still waiting on the final person to sign off on it. This is the deal. I'll ask the question why is Kyle Lewis one of the top 10 center fielders right now? And Luis Robert isn't even an honorable mention of being talked about, but what was your initial reaction? Because I saw a lot of anger when that happened.
1: My initial reaction was that Kyle Lewis deserves to be in that conversation. So it's not necessarily that Kyle Lewis being there should be something that anger Sox fans. My first thought was, I was with everyone. I was I was riled up. Oh, yeah, what the hell? Where's Luis Robert? And then I looked at his stat line from last year. And while we saw amazing glimpses, if you look at the overall thing, and if if the shredder is using, uh, you know, just using stat lines and not paying attention to to short bursts of of excellence that we saw from him, you're seeing a guy that in 2020 hit 233 and had an OPS of 738. That's not great, you know, from a standpoint. But we watched him do awesome things at the start. We watched him as they got into the playoffs, come back around and do awesome things. But don't forget last year in 2020 is all we have of Luis Robert in the major leagues. He vanished for a couple of weeks. He was absolute dog meat at the plate for a couple of weeks and did nothing. And I think when you're doing these top 10 lists, sometimes that stuff gets factored in.
0: I think so too. Now, Luis dropped off as well. He hit in the mid 100s in September as well. But Lewis, first of all, in 2019, he gets up there for 75 plate appearances and runs a yeah. line of a, a 268 batting average, a uh, an 885 OPS, and an OPS plus of 131. That's good.
1: That is really good.
0: Yeah, he comes out the next year, and in basically the same amount of appearances that Robert had, he goes and does similar things. He gets a 262 batting average. He, his OPS is a little bit lower, but slightly 801 and an OPS plus of 126, you compare that to Robert, as you said, with his OPS of 738 and his OPS plus of 101. Like, average is 100. That's how OPS plus works. He was lucky to be, like, one point above average. And he's got incredible potential. And he may eventually be the guy between those two that has the better career. But I think we are looking at it through fan glasses. We have watched the, the YouTube videos of things that he did in the minor leagues. We are more attuned to what he can be, and we see the potential. But he has not come to Kyle Lewis's level yet, and both of these guys are unfinished products. So I was surprised by how upset people were, but I'm like you. The moment I saw it, I was like, well, that's ridiculous. They're basically the same player. And then I was like, wait, they're, they're not when I looked it up. Nah,
1: not you really. Know? The other thing, too, is our lasting image. What's our last, what's your last mental image of Luis Robert from the 2020 season? It's that gigantic ass home run he hit in the Coliseum, right? That's true. You know, and you see that, and that's what you're sitting there going like, my God, he is a, you know, he is not human. But in reality, that was one at bat, and that was a taste of things that he can do. But if you're talking about this list next year and they're saying, okay, who's the best right now going into the 2022 season? And if we've seen those ungodly home runs and we've seen him catching fly balls and straightaway left field while Aloy Jimenez sits there and and taps his fingers at him and we're seeing him do all these things that we know he can do because we saw it in the minors. If he's not on that list next year, it's because something went catastrophically wrong or it's... Because he has not arrived to the potential that we think he's going to make it to. And he's still got to do that over the course of a year. I mean, that's one of the problems with relying on youngsters. If you're a White Sox fan is, is that these guys haven't made it yet. Some of them have, there's a few of them here that it's still just potential.
0: Right. And that is absolutely true. And, you know, Lewis also, he got a taste in 2019 before he came up in 2020. And so he also had just that little bit more experience than Robert has. This is not a a story that is finished yet, but you're right. When I go into my fantasy baseball season, I have both of those guys that rostered on my dynasty team. Kyle Lewis is is somebody that I'm considering is going to be as I'm forming my team and figuring out who I'm going to go and grab in in our free agent draft. Kyle Lewis is one of the guys that I'm sitting there saying, yeah, he might be an everyday player for me. And Luis Robert, I got penciled in as I got to wait and see until he proves it. And, and, and that is the God's honest truth. When you take a look at it from the outside, which will bring us to our next segment, because we are going to do something very, very fun that we did last year. And what I'm excited about is that last year, I didn't have you here to do this and you are going to sink your teeth into this one, my friend, right here on Socks in the Basement, found everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SocksIntheBasement.com. You know, I get muscle aches all the time. I've gone from being able to do whatever I want to and not feeling any pain to basically getting pain for any kind of physical activity. Good news, there's a local family-owned Southside business that provides a CBD topical that will not break the bank. Creaky Bone Bomb offers concentrated relief for creaky bones. It is an effective hemp-based CBD in a rejuvenating balm. And guess what? It's made in small batches, always free of preservatives and all natural ingredients. It's great for muscle aches, tension, inflammation, joint pain. You can even use it for skin ailments like burns and dry cracked skin. Right now, go to creakybone.com and use the promo code BASEMENT. Get twenty percent off your order. Whether it's physical activity or off-season stress, Creaky Bone's gonna help you out. Use that promo code Basement twenty percent off your order right now at CreakyBone.com. So let's let's talk about fantasy baseball, and oh, not not okay. in a respect where we're gonna geek out for those that aren't interested in fantasy baseball. But I did this last <laughs> year. I looked at the the things that were coming out preseason on reputable fantasy websites and said, these guys, they don't have a fan perspective. They don't have a home team perspective. They're not even interested in bulking a player up because of media ratings, because let's say he plays in a market. They were drinking the Kool-Aid there. These are the most emotionless projections that I think you're going to find. A fantasy baseball person is just trying to prove that they're smart enough to project players before the season. Like if CBS sports decides they're going to go out and put out these projections in these lists and they're so wrong, it's not even funny. Nobody will ever pay attention to them ever again. Right. They lose business. So they have to make safe choices about players. And Scott White, who I have enjoyed reading for a couple of years now, when I'm looking at fantasy baseball is a pretty good evaluator of talent when he has to take this big picture look like who's going to produce numbers.
1: Yeah, I, I enjoy his
0: work. Oh, it, yeah. It, it's yeah. He he put out a list of the top 100 prospects for fantasy. And what this does why this is different from like MLB pipeline. He's thinking, are they going to contribute this year? It's probably or maybe. And if they're not contributing this year, it's going to be soon. Like you're in a dynasty league. You might want to grab this guy for next year. But he kind of filters people out that probably don't have a chance of getting to the major leagues, because if they're never going to see the field, it doesn't benefit fantasy baseball. Right. So so he puts out his top 100 list and uh, Wander Franco's number one, the shortstop for the Rays. Mackenzie Gore from the Padres, number two. Uh, And then as you work your way down the list, who is the first guy from the White Sox that you believe is on that list that he believes? we'll put up numbers that will score points. Think of it if you have a high OPS, you're scoring points, you know? If you got a good batting average, if you're moving guys around, if you're knocking in runs, all these things give you points. If you are a contributor to your team scoring, that helps you. If you're a player and if you're a pitcher, it's all about a lot of innings, a lot of strikeouts, less walks and 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 winning games instead of losing games and keeping your whip low because that means you haven't put a lot of guys on base where you lose points for that. So Basically, what we value in players is valued in fantasy baseball. So of all the White Sox prospect eligible players, and Robert is not on this list. He's considered to be, you know, he's off the MLB pipeline one as well. Of all the White Sox prospect eligible players, which one do you believe comes in its sixth big production in 2021?
1: Well, if you want me to guess, I'm already spoiled because I saw the same list you did. So it's,
0: it's, I know,
1: what are you going to do? It's Andrew Vaughn is who he's got listed um, as a mid-season hopeful. Now, it, I think that's important for people to keep in mind, too, is, is that he's sitting here, Scott is, is looking at this, Scott White's looking at this and saying, all right, he – he better hit based on his profile right-handed hitting first baseman that's all you are you're a bat right so to your point he doesn't care about defense he doesn't care about where Vaughn's going to play if he's going to DH or if he's going to actually man the field he's just looking at going this guy better put up numbers or shut up right so but he's saying as a midseason hopeful for the Sox to actually put up some numbers that is that's the number six guy you know sandwiched between Julio Rodriguez of the Mariners and Adley Rushman the catcher for the Orioles
0: who are both considered to be mid-season hopefuls as well. Exactly. So th- those two guys are considered to be mid-season hopefuls. Spencer Torkelson is in front of all three of them as a mid-season hopeful. And then the three guys that are higher on the list have an actual chance to come out in spring and play. That's why they're so high. So Vaughn, comparably, he could be gangbusters, but he could also yep. not even be a rookie of the year candidate. And so when White Sox fans sit there and say, well, we got Vaughn. We don't need a de- designated hitter. Yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah, you do. Because here's somebody looking at it from the outside, and they're like, first of all, he isn't going to start the season with this team. And secondly, when he shows up, there are other guys that might have better seasons than he has. Like, do we think he's going to hit? Yeah, we think he's going to hit. Like, there's, That is a positive thing to say he's the sixth highest prospect in fantasy baseball. But, you know, because he's putting it on the line there, telling you, like, go out and grab this guy in your draft. Because you're going to, even if you're a one season player and you get all new players next year, he's going to produce for your team, which means he thinks he's going to produce for the White Sox, which is a good thing. But on the other hand, he's saying he's pretty much sitting in the middle of the pack with Torkelson, Rodriguez, and Adley Rushman. And in fact, he's got two of those three guys in front of him in his projections. So I think Andrew Vaughn's going to be good. I want Andrew Vaughn to be good. But again, another reason why. The smart money is that the White Sox still have to go out and get a DH. Yeah,
1: and, and, you know, he's also going to be factoring in uh, not just whether or not they're going to contribute right away, but also a little bit on position, too. So it is a positive that Vaughn's that high, because if you look, Torkelson's a third baseman, right? That's a position that can sometimes give you problems rushman is a catcher there are no catchers in fantasy baseball like catcher is one of those it's like tight end in fantasy football for those of you want to cross over to to a different sport you just you can never seem to find one but you know he's also looking at this as the same type of thing that maybe we should be looking at as fans uh, you know on the real field which is if they start the season with a dh who is not going to necessarily be good vaughn has a chance to hit his way past that guy right Right. So, some veteran, and, and you don't necessarily need it to be a guy that you're going to lock down for years like a Michael Brantley. But at the same time, he's also the next guy up in case something happens where, say, uh, you know, you have an outfielder, and, and I was semi joking about Nick Williams at the top of the show, but you have a guy like that who is essentially an outfielder, but might be stuck in a DH position as a veteran pickup. And that guy has to start taking the field because Aloy keeps running into walls or uh, Adam Eaton is hurt or something like that. And now Vaughn's the guy that's going to come up and step into the lineup where somebody's been injured and has to spend some time on the bench or has to spend some time on the injured list, and he's going to be able to get his way into helping the Sox down the stretch.
0: Other guys that are on the list, number 17 on the fantasy baseball prospect list is Michael Kopech. He is sitting right next to Nate Pearson, another 24-year-old in the Blue Jays system. Both of them have about the same chance, in his opinion, of making their team at the beginning of the year and are likely to possibly start a little bit into the year. Uh, he said that the prospect for Kopek has gone a bit stale because of some uneven minor league performances, followed by Tommy John's surgery, followed by his decision to opt out last year, but his fastball is breathtaking and was so in spring training, and he made huge strides in the control area prior to his 2018 promotion, right before he hurt his elbow. So he's high on him in a comparable, uh, if you're thinking about players that you might have seen in the major leagues, he thinks he's going to have just slightly more production than a guy that people are really impressed with in Cabrion Hayes, the third baseman for the Pirates, who's two slots below him. A little bit further down the list at 24 is Nick Madrigal, it's about time we saw him on this thing. And Madrigal is going to get held back at fantasy baseball for the same reason that people are going to sit there and say that they don't like Madrigal as their second baseman because he's not going to hit a lot of home runs. So he's not going to tack on the points. But he talks about his contact skills. He, he talks about how they're unmatched among any other prospect. And he, he's, if, he, if he was freed up to run more and understood how to run the bases better, <laughs> he would be, he would be a, a much better candidate to move up the list because there's a lot of unrealized potential there once he can figure out how to play the game a little smarter, especially on the base paths. Like, that's actually pointed out. And if Tony La Russa lets him try to steal every once in a while and he can start getting good jumps, he can even become a more valuable player. I thought that that was like a striking thing to, <laughs> to hear yeah. like fantasy baseball guys say about Nick Mandrigal, right? When we're talking
1: about Nick Mandrigal's lack of power, too, it's not necessarily even the home runs, right? It's also the question of whether or not he's going to hit doubles or triples, you know, cause he's going to have to find gaps and he's going to have to find holes in the defense to get those. He's not going to ring these things off the wall very often. So when he's making, when Scott White's saying that this is David Fletcher range for Nick Madrigal uh, you know, if, if you're familiar with David Fletcher of the angels, good player, good, solid player. But from a, how much offense does he really contribute or how many points does he contribute in fantasy baseball? He's not a guy that you're going to build the team around. And Madrigal's the same way. He's right. I think Scott White's right. If Madrigal's going to contribute in fantasy baseball, he's going to get on base a lot, but he's got to do something else. He's got to do something. he's He's got to steal bases.
0: Yeah, but what I love about this is it kind of explains that from a perspective of somebody that's just kind of breaking this whole thing down, because he's trying to figure out what's the value of this player to his team's offense, and in that case, what's his value to your fantasy baseball team, A lot of the same things that people talk about these players are are the same things that they that these guys see that they're analyzing it in a cold, like heartless way where they're just names on a paper trying to figure out what they're going to produce. And here we have somebody coming at it from a completely other perspective and the same pluses and minuses that we've kind of talked about on the show are right there in black and white socks in the basement. Listeners do the hard work. And if you're a hard-working man or woman on the south side, you need to be outfitted properly. And that's why you should visit Red Wing Shoes in Evergreen Park, New Lenox, and Geneva. A work boots specialty store that carries sizes from 6 to 16 and feet as wide as 4E. A 115-year-old company that came out of Red Wing, Minnesota and one of its largest stores in the entire Midwest is in Evergreen Park, Illinois, ever since 1976. When you're on your feet, the footwear is everything. So why not get an expert fitting? They warranty, repair, and offer free conditioning with laces. And they also carry Carhartt work clothing as well. Located at 3347 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park, Illinois, at 208 East Maple Street on Route 30 in New Lenox, or at 1749 South Randall Road in Geneva. Visit them today. You work hard. You've earned it. Red Wing Shoes.
1: When you're valuing somebody for fantasy baseball purposes, think about the value when we've talked about trades, for example, right? And... Nick Madrigal getting traded for Blake Snell. You know, there was a lot of stuff like that when Snell was traded. It's like, well, you know, would that have cost the Madrigal? You know, first of all, the Rays have like 20 second basemen, so probably not. But also think about for the White Sox, if David Fletcher was offered to us for, say, Dallas Keuchel, would you make that trade? And I think most Sox fans will look at that and say, you want me to trade one of my top starting pitchers for Fletcher? But right. when you're seeing Madrigal and Fletcher matched in terms of their value in fantasy baseball, you can take that into the real world and sit there and go, "Well, yeah, I guess that's kind of the guy that he is." But we see him as, "Oh, Nick Madrigal is going to be this. The, watch this guy. He's going to be amazing. He doesn't strike out. You know, he hits for. You know, he's going to get on base. He hits this high batting average. He's, fa- you know, he's fantastic." But in reality, he's the number nine hitter. Maybe he's the number two hitter. And if he runs a little bit more under Larusa maybe he's somebody that can step into the leadoff role if something happens to Anderson.
0: Yes, but likely he's the comp. He's David Fletcher, you know? And, and so, you know, you have to, you can't, you know, that's the thing. People fall in love with prospects and they start to believe they're going to be something bigger than they are. Now, a really interesting one. This, the last guy that showed up on this list was Garrett Crochet. Now he comes in at 79th on the top 100 fantasy prospect list on CBS. But the reason he comes in there is not because of his skill level. It's because if he goes into the relief role, he's not going to score a lot of points. It basically is telling you, like, this guy's really good. But as long as he's a reliever, like, it's not like going to score you a lot of points. I, I believe a Garrett Crochet would be way up there, probably in front of Mandrigal, if they thought he was going to be a starting pitcher, Right because of the talent and the things that he brought, but he's not there yet. The Sox still have to develop him, and that's kind of what I took from where he was sitting. He's actually way in the back, like sitting with guys like Brendan McKay. Remember him with the Rays? They just keep waiting for oh, him yeah. to do something, but also prospects that are a little ways away now. You know, A guy like Francisco Alvarez, who's a catcher, who's 19, who isn't even coming to the majors, because his value is down the line, and what he's saying is this is a really good pitcher. Keep an eye on him. In fantasy terms, until he becomes like, let's say, a closer, which he's not going to be now, and until he becomes a starting pitcher, he's not going to give you very much. But there's an incredible amount of talent for him. And that, once again, bolsters this bullpen and your picture of it. Because when this guy is just basically looking for, when Scott White is looking for starting pitchers and players that are going to play every day, he has to mention Crochet on his list begrudgingly, because he's so good that even though he knows he's going to be a relief pitcher, he's like, one day if he's a starter, he's going to be really good. I thought that was interesting as well.
1: Well, not only that, but uh, you know, when you're thinking about the points that relievers contribute, it's wins, saves, some leagues will do holds, but it's strikeouts are the big ones, right? And if you're employing a relief pitcher for fantasy purposes, you're looking at somebody who's going to come in and just get whiff after whiff after whiff. And that's what Crochet is. So you know, he's looking at this and, and he's basically saying, Look at this six-foot, six-inch lefty with this insane fastball. And look what he was able to do in a playoff push for the White Sox in the real world. And look at the six innings where he gave up three hits only, no walks, no runs, and eight Ks. You know He's got some value as a reliever. But yeah, if he was a starter, if, if you're listing him as somebody who is fighting for that fifth starter role, uh, and if Crochet had, you know, the change up or had the off-speed pitches that everybody, you know, in the real world, we sit there and we look at him and we go, hey, he doesn't have the secondary pitches yet because uh, he's, he's just out of college. He would be way higher up because, again, you're looking at a six-foot, six-inch left-hander with a, you know, triple-digit fastball. And he would be higher than Michael Kopak, who hasn't pitched in two years.
0: Exactly. Now, before we get out of here, they rank all the players based upon what they think they're going to score this year in the entirety yep. of Major League Baseball. And they use, like I said, if, you're, if your guy hits home runs, if he's total bases, if he's, if he's, you know, if he's getting big hits, if he's driving in runs, if he's an offensive producer, then he's get, he gets more points. That's the simplest way for me to give you fantasy baseball if you've never played it. And with pitchers, it's effective pitchers that strike out guys, pitch a lot of innings, and get wins, and lo- don't lose as often, and are getting quality starts. Quality starts is a big thing. Like, if you, if you end up getting through six innings and give up three or less runs, that's a big thing as well in, in terms of the point scoring system that we have here. And this is standard points for, for fantasy baseball. So for players, let's say they have to be in the top five if they're an elite producer, let's say, Ed. Yeah. And for outfielders and pitchers, because there's five pitchers on a staff and there's three outfielders, let's say top 15. Okay? You want to say that? Yeah. Top 15 for outfielders top 5 for players. How many players on the White Sox can you think of? And go ahead and just rattle off the names that you think are top 5 guys that are ranked when they're doing these projections for what they're going to put out offensively or even as a pitcher. Uh I will I just just go ahead and throw out some names that right off the top of your head. You're like this guy is an offensive juggernaut compared to other guys at his position. That's the guy.
1: All right, well, let's start with Eloy Jimenez.
0: Eloy Jimenez is just outside the top 15. He is the best White Sox hitter, uh, best White Sox outfielder. Uh, He is just outside the top 15, like by just a couple of spots but he does not make it. And you know what? I think that that'll get proven later on that they were wrong about that because I think Aloy's going to have a huge year. And that yeah. might be that yeah. might be a concern over the fact that he's going to be injured and he'll be out for some games because he hasn't been able to prove that he's going to go out there and play you know, without an issue the entire season. So that might be hasn't the reason.
1: Has not done it yet? And that, I think no. that's why.
0: Okay, who else? Who else just jumps out at you as big offensive producer if you're trying to put a White Sox player on your fantasy team?
1: Well, I think you got to go with the MVP. you got to go with Jose Abreu.
0: Jose Abreu for sure. Jose is... Second only to Freddie Freeman in the preseason rankings That's 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 a big deal and that even includes because DJ LeMahieu is considered to be first base eligible because he played some games there, and Cody Bellinger is first place that's eligible right. that's that's insane. What about catcher? Where, where do you think Yaz Monte Grandal ends up? you think he's up uh,
1: there I think he's I think Yaz is I think Yaz is up there.
0: Yeah. Okay, well, they can't put Riomoto on the list yet because he hasn't signed. Right. So he's number one. <laughs> okay. He's the number one highest projected catcher with offensive output when all these guys get together and try to figure out all what their end-of-year stats are going to be when they're trying to project it. With Contreras, Wilson Contreras of the Cubs, uh, Travis D'Arnold from uh, the Braves, and Will Smith following behind him 2, 3, and 4. And Real Moto will probably slot in front of him. But that's also a really interesting thing. There are no other players that rank in a top five for the White Sox. In fact, Madrigal's way down the line. Moncada didn't even make it in the top 10. Neither did Anderson.
1: No, Anderson's one that I think people just assume that he's one of the top shortstops, at least from that standpoint. But he's a lot of batting average, and there's some stuff behind it that doesn't really, he doesn't really fill up the stat sheets.
0: And Liam Hendricks is a top reliever. That's obvious when you're looking at relief pitchers. Here's the other thing, and then we'll move on. Lucas Giolito makes the top 15. He's one of the top 15 pitchers projected in terms of what he's going to do out there performance-wise. They, they project him to go 14-7. and seven. They expect him to go out there and get 223 strikeouts and only walk 63 and have a whip of 1.20. And they expect him to go out there and make 33 starts.
1: Yeah, I can buy that.
0: And, and, and if you get that from your guy, that's why he's your ace, and you're pumped about that. Yeah. That, that's your ace, and you're pumped about that. And what's fun about this is for years the sacks were not on any part of this list. In fact, Jose Abreu was low on his list. And now we actually have guys that people will be fighting over in early rounds in fantasy baseball. The, you know, it, like, that's fun to me. You know? That that is exciting to me. Maybe I get excited about stupid things, but that's exciting to me. No, I, well, it, it's it's part
1: of, I think, fandom in 2020, 2021. It's part of fandom now, is that you want your guys represented on those fantasy teams because that's also how thats how some people know about other players and other teams is they are fantasy players and so they're aware of what other teams have. So the fact is, is that Sox fandom can actually pick up some people and pick up some national recognition and get some respect across the MLB because they have guys that people care about in their own little fantasy world, where they are the general manager of of I don't know, say the Ninja Black Sox, and you know the Ninja Black Sox,
0: the Ninja Black Sox I hear have won three championships in the last four years in our league. I, who's the owner of that team? Who, who's that? Oh, it's me. That's who oh. it
1: is. Why? Why did the name Ninja Black Sox get flashed in front of me? <laughs> anyway. why, you you programmed a neon sign for that, Chris? Jeez. <laughs> Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement Socks in the basement